Welcome to Convene Studios in Yorba Linda, California. I'm excited to have uh, some time on the, on the air with Shalette Stewart. She wrote a book, Revelations in Business. It's an exciting read about what does God have to say about situation analysis? What is the divine marketing plan? What is the divine operations plan, etc.? What is the divine financial plan? What is the divine exit plan? God wants you to be successful and he wants you to win at the things you do. And he's got a handbook called the Bible. You may not have time to spend reading every page of the Bible and doing an analysis on how that applies to your business. It'd be a great idea, but how about saving a ton of time? Shalette Stewart wrote Revelations in Business to save you time understanding what does God's word have to say about business. She's done an incredible job. She's here with us, and I'm very excited to talk to her today. So we're here in the Convene Studios with Dr. Shalette Stewart. She's a Christian author, international speaker, consultant, doctorate in business administration. Those don't come easy, so congratulations on that. You've had 20 years of leadership experience in strategic planning, marketing, business development, Coca-Cola, Bell South, AT&T, and currently overseeing strategic partnerships with Harvard Business School. But exciting that you uh, wrote this book, Revelations... Did I get that right? Revelations in business, not one revelation, but many. Connecting your business plan with God's purpose. And I have to say that you were a runaway hit at the Convene Summit. You've been speaking all across the country at Convene Forums, and you contribute to the Convene blog. I've, I have to say that as I think about you, I think about how much you accomplish with your life. And uh, somehow there's energy and enthusiasm and experience and knowledge and wisdom and so tracking with God's kingdom. How do you get all this done? What, what is in the water stream of Shalette's life? Well, first of all, I have to thank you, Greg, and feel free to always call me Shalette. Um, we are definitely friends all the years. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your, um, with your organization. It's always a delight. And to answer your question, I would have to say it's the grace of God that keeps me going. You know, my passion is really uh, helping others, helping leaders connect their business plans with their purpose, their career with their calling. And so uh, once you do that, then life becomes more of a joy. You're anointed and appointed to do what God has ordained for you to do. So you have the energy that comes from him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So in your book, every chapter starts with the word divine, uh, divine situation analysis, divine marketing plan, divine management, divine operations, divine financial plan, divine exit strategy. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So divine is godly. So the, the biblical foundation for revelations in business is really based on Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision or revelation, the people perish. And so the consistent leverage of the, the word, the term divine, is really to incorporate that in every aspect of our business plan, every aspect of a business. So from the mission and vision statement to the situation analysis, all the way down through the marketing plan, financial plan, and even exit strategy. So that's to keep the reader focused on at the end of the day, it must be godly, it must be divine. Hmm, wow. So maybe let's unpack this a little bit. Um, 
purpose and divine mission and vision. Why is it important for business leaders to align their plans with their purpose, with God's vision? You know, that is so critical, Greg. If you think about it, and I'm always astounded when I, when I um, even share this, but if you think about it, our careers consume over half of our lives. Huh. Half of our lives. So it's imperative that what we spend most of our waking hours doing for most of our lives is also spiritually edifying. And I'm sure you'll recall as well as your audience, a few years ago, Gallup came out with a study, I believe it was in 2013, and they found that 70% of U.S. workers describe themselves as disengaged from their work. 70%. So for those of us who are his ambassadors in the workplace and in the marketplace, that is unacceptable. So it's, there's a benefit for the individual and the organization. For the individual, when we connect our business plans with our purpose and our career and calling, then we have passion for our work. We are anointed to do uh, what we're doing. It's almost like we're getting compensated, Greg, for a hobby. So that's the yes. benefit for the individual. The benefit for the organization is that when you have engaged productive employees. That drives performance, productivity, and bottom line profitability for the company. So it really is a dual benefit for the organization as well as the individual. Talk a little bit about that. What, what happens on the bottom line when you've connected your vision, mission with God's divine purpose? Yes, at um, Harvard Business School, we've done so many studies around employee engagement and the impact on the bottom line. And consistently, not just Harvard, but a number of other leading research firms have found that when employees are passionate about their work, when they're anointed to do their, their roles and their responsibilities within an organization, then employee morale increases. Employee productivity increases. And so uh, also retention is much stronger. And so the company does not have to go out and acquire more talent because their talent is a, a, a joy to have and they're enjoying being with the organization. So it truly is a win-win. That's great. I'm a fan of uh, David Ulrich and his work over at, uh, in Michigan. And um, in some of his writing, he says that employees want one thing in the number one spot when they come to work and it's meaning. And I think so many um, people who are Christ followers, they might think everybody wants a paycheck, yes. They might think everybody wants you know, a ping pong table in the break room, maybe. They might think that they need to provide free food or something. But the fact of the matter is, according to Ulrich's research, people, when they come to work, want meaning. And it seems like Christians are afraid to give it to them. Right? They think we're going to give them all these toys, but we're going to not pretend they want meaning because then we might be sued or something for talking about faith. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, um, to your point about being sued, about talking about faith, that is one of the aspects that I actually appreciate the most about Convene because you are empowering Christian leaders, CEOs, executives uh, within the marketplace and within the workplace to share their faith, but in a way that is um, consistent with the protocol of business. So we're still honoring the word of God. We're bringing others into the kingdom. So I commend you and your team for doing that. But I actually believe that you all are really helping to empower so many Christian leaders. In the Fortune 500 world, as you know, it's difficult for those executives to really be as forthcoming with their uh, testimonies. 
as um, some of your members can be uh, within Convene. So they are the CEOs of private entities as well as public entities. But I believe that's the key is to, to share your testimony in a way that's authentic. The Bible says that we are to respect our employers. So still respecting the guidelines of the workplace with the ultimate vision of bringing others into the kingdom. So for us, it's mean, meaning, but it's also bringing others into the kingdom. That's our, um, that's our role as his ambassadors. I'm pretty fascinated by the fact that a lot of um, North American CEOs are kind of afraid to be uh, transparent about faith. While in China, big cranes with big boomerangs on them are tearing down churches, but down the street at businesses, people are being baptized on the shop floor in, uh, right, right where they work. And so here's China business leaders who are baptizing people while their churches are being torn down. Here our churches are empty and nobody that I know baptized anybody on the shop floor in the United States of America. So it's a dichotomy. So true, Greg. You know, I was in um, Kunming, China um, just a couple years ago and I was serving as a keynote speaker at a business conference there. And um, one of the executives came up to me after the conference, and he made a very interesting remark that um, I believe will resonate with you and so many of our audience members. He said, you know, there's, there's um, some missionary work that needs to be done in the United States. And so for so long, we were the missionaries. We were the ones going out and really providing our culture, westernized view and, and the view of God to others. But in so many ways, we have relapsed as a society as a country. And so there's absolutely work to be done and we can do it with organizations like yours, with uh, my Revelations in Business platform. We each have a role to play in the progress and process of really instituting and bringing about, about the word of God broadly. What would you say, I mean, you've spent 20 years in leadership and research and here you are at Harvard. What do you think is the disconnect between people's um, orthodoxy and their orthopraxy, right? They're, they're so, they're so in, ingrained in I believe in my faith, but when it comes to Monday to Friday, they don't know what to do. I know it's because they haven't read your book, but what, 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 what else would you say? Here it is right there. It's true. There's a wonderful book um, that's been out for oh, probably over a decade now called um, church on Sunday, work on Monday. And it's all about never the two shall meet, which is such a disgrace, um, especially for us, his ambassadors in the workplace. And I believe that as a culture, we have tended to live our lives, Greg, in silos. And so it is church on Sunday and then work on Monday through Friday and then Saturday is the social day. So it's been ingrained as a part of our culture. And that's why it's so important for you and I and others to disrupt that. And so the way that we do that is with ourselves, but also I encourage my, um, my clients. I have a consultancy, um, Stuart Consulting, we just focus on strategic planning and so many of my clients um, need a business plan. And so when I'm discussing this whole notion of, generations and future generations, I encourage them to share their wisdom with a new generation of leaders. We need a new generation of Christian business leaders. So I believe that once we begin to share those insights, Greg, with a new generation and continue to reinforce that in the family, in the workplace, I believe that it will change. But it takes a while though. Yeah, I find that so many people uh, like to talk about the Great Commission. So many people like to talk about the Great Commandment. 
So first, you know, we're going to evangelize at work and then we're going to love everybody, but everybody's forgetting about the creation mandate, right? It's that third thing that is the third leg of the stool. Yes, great commission. Yes, great commandment. But what about the creation mandate, right? That says when you make a table, as Dorothy Sayers said, you know, make great tables. And she said the church has been telling people not to be drunk on Sunday for so long that they forgot to say make great tables. Yes, yes. It, yeah. it, back down to the fundamentals. It really does. In the um, chapter on the divine marketing plan, I discuss um, a great deal about um, this whole notion of our platform. At the end <clears throat> of the day, what is it that we stand for? as leaders and what does our organization stand for and how are we consistent in that and, and what is that what is our platform you know for us it, it needs to be godly it has to exemplify christ and so for some leaders it may be excellent client service or excellent customer care or innovation but I encourage um, the audience today to think about your platform, think about the basics, the fundamentals, and make sure that that's being exemplified within every aspect of your organization and your lifestyle. So it's really to your point, getting back down to the basics, the fundamentals, what we are charged to do in the workplace and in the marketplace. We have heard about the four Ps of marketing forever, the proverbial four Ps, price, product, place, promotion. But the fifth P is your platform. At the end of the day, what do you stand for? Revelations in Business has been endorsed by a number of industry leaders, including Dan Cathy, who you know is the chairman and CEO of Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it's those concepts in the book, those notions to help us take business to a higher level of excellence. That's resonating with Dan Cathy, with Ann Byler, who created Auntie Ann's Pretzels, and a number of other industry leaders. Let's go on to divine management and operation plan. You caution leaders and you say, we're all on a divine assignment. Say more about that. Yes, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I'm working with so many senior leaders in particular, um, I caution them to not get too comfortable, not get too complacent. You know, in the Bible, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, you recall when God um, provided instructions to Elijah to go to the brook, and drink freely from the brook and the ravens would feed him. Surely enough, he did that. He drank freely, the ravens fed him. But when the brook dried up, Greg, that was his sign to move on. And so I encourage others that so many senior leaders know that their brook has dried up, but they're holding on, Greg. They're holding on to a past season when the Lord has moved on and, and, and desires for them to move on. And what I found in my research um, when I'm speaking uh, with a number of senior leaders and with my clients, is that they're holding on, number one, because of fear. They feel that, oh, I can't possibly leave the company now and, and relocate and, and start that missionary organization that the Lord has planted in my life, in my heart. Um, they hold on because of being comfortable with their compensation. They hold on because of having a prestigious title. So I caution leaders to um, follow God to move into that next season, the safest place you can ever be is within the will of God. And so move into the next divine assignment. Hmm. Sweet. Okay. Um, divine financial plan. You say pursue prosperity over profitability. Do you have some examples of that? 
Yes, you know, it's interesting, Greg, um, prosperity sometimes get, gets a bad rap or negative connotation. But uh, the Bible says in Psalm 35, 27, that he delights in the prosperity of his people. And so I encourage leaders, and I would encourage your, your audience today, that um, don't just focus on profitability. Profitability is typically aligned with financial performance, but prosperity is so much more. It's more of an umbrella concept. A holistic uh, concept that includes talented employees and loyal customers and clients and reliable suppliers and so it's much more broad um, I often encourage uh, leaders to have a prosperity plan versus just a financial plan but there are so many examples of, of companies that have done that um, very well one example that I've shared with so many of the convene forums is actually Sony pictures and so we know that Sony has had some challenges over the past few years, but a few years ago, Greg, they really got it right. They conducted a corporate culture and employee engagement study and found that one, their employees were stressed out and two, the employees were hoarding information and not sharing the information. And so they, they investigated it a little bit further and found that they were so stressed out because there was this corporate culture that says that they had to be available all the time, at night, late at night, whenever they would get an email, the, the expectation was that you would answer the email at midnight. So here's what Sony did. One, they institute, instituted training around trust to get people to share information. Two, they instituted a protocol around communications and said, you know, not every email is urgent. If it's not urgent, then answer it the next day. If it is, then pick up the phone and call your colleague. But then they went a step further and they instituted uh, new nutritional entrees for the cafeteria and revamped the athletic facility. So they looked at their employees holistically and there was an impact to the bottom line. Employees were not as stressed. They didn't have to see their healthcare providers for stress-related elements and, and ailments. And that impacted the bottom line, less mm -hmm. medical uh, premiums. So. Mm -hmm example that I share with so many of the, the convene forums. That's a great example. And, you know, I just was with a convene group that's meeting uh, down the hall from our offices here. And uh, we were talking about the fact that our employees are a mission field. And there's so many Christian CEOs and leaders who are getting on a plane and flying to China, flying to Africa, flying to South America, flying to Europe, so they can do missions. And yet, if they turn around and look on their shop room floor or look down the hall at the cubicles, they would see an unreached people group called their employees, who sometimes are wearing their shirt, right, that says the logo, and they're a captive audience, and they think they have to fly to a foreign country to do missions. Yes, and it's right there within their organization. In, in the chapter on the divine marketing plan, I discussed this notion of push and pull strategies. And so to your point, that may be a strategy where they share their testimonies with the, their employees in a way that resonates. So it's not necessarily always quoting scriptures, it's simply exemplifying Christ, um, exemplifying him in the marketplace and in the, mar in the workplace. So being a person of your word, having integrity, making sure that your scales or finances are balanced and fair and equitable. And so, so much of that can be taught, can be mentored, um, right there in the organization. It's part of ambassadorship. It's part of a kingdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sweet. Okay, divine exit strategy. Don't remember 
Which chapter that is? Let's see. Uh, chapter eight. Uh, chapter eight. Divine divine exit strategy. There's a lot of um, Christian CEOs who would say, "I want to build the company to maximum value, sell it on my liquidity event. I want to give some money, and then I'm you know buying a house in the Bahamas." So that's not what you talk about in chapter eight. So talk about a divine exit strategy and what that means. Yes. So, um, so many of the um, CEOs uh, within Convene, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, many of them, as you know, Greg, are um, focused on succession planning. Many of them are um, transitioning the company to their heirs. Others are preparing for their next season. And so I encourage them to do that, to look forward to the next season. I always say that we're always growing in Christ. We're always growing to the next level. And so I encourage them at that point in their lives to really focus on not just success, because most of them have really achieved a certain level of success, but focus on, more importantly, significance. Significance in that they're leaving a, a positive, lasting legacy in their family, in their communities, and in the world. And look forward to that season. So I encourage them to pray, meditate, contemplate, and ask God to reveal what he would have them focus on for the next season uh, in their lives. You know, we serve a loving God. He's not going to transition us to a new season or a purpose and not uh, tell us what it is. But it's up to us to be very diligent and intentional in asking him. What would you say to the leader, the CEO, who would say that, <clears throat> wow, this is all so new to me, this is all very exciting, but they're not incorporating this. So I would say grab a copy of Revelation in, Revelations in Business, yes, but how, how do you work with leaders to get them to put this stuff into practice? I talk to so many leaders who say, oh my gosh, you know, I have to get that book, or oh my gosh, I have to listen to that podcast. But there's a lot of leaders who aren't leading with intentionality in terms of their uh, appropriating divine principles into their daily. They somehow think that it's going to just happen by osmosis, and you've lived a life of intentionality. So maybe some tips from you, um, because you're a make-it-happen person, and uh, you've had quite... Um, quite an incredible life of great roles in business and now at Harvard and just very professional, but your life is one of intentionality. Where did, where did that come from? How does that happen? Thank you. It was a growth process, uh, quite frankly, for me, Greg, as well. Um, one of the um, inspirations for me and how I came to write Revelations in Business was I was in the private sector working for a Fortune 100 company and enjoying it, but the Lord placed on my heart that it was time for a new season, that he had greater work for me to do. And so it's up to us when he is um, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to move us, it's up to us to be obedient. And mm -hmm. I to say that so many leaders have heard from God, especially Christian, Christian leaders, they know when they're being led, but it's, it's, the key is being obedient to, to the, the promptings and stepping out on faith. When I resigned from the Coca-Cola company after 10 wonderful years, and Coke is an outstanding company, but it was probably one of the worst times in the history of our country from an economic standpoint. It was 2007 to 2009. 
So do you remember the economy, the housing market crash? And so I could have easily just stayed with Coke and, and been comfortable and complacent. But you have to step out on faith and trust God. And you make one step, he'll make 10. And that's what I experienced in my life. And so to your point, I think the way that we encourage others to make those connections are one, by exemplifying it within our own lives. Like you and I try to do each and every day is live the word of God out in the marketplace and in the workplace. So one, exemplifying it with our own lives and being authentic and true. Secondarily, sharing the insights with others. So through convening, through my keynote presentations, through ministry, through books, through songs, any way that you can share that with others, and then mentoring others as well. And of course, keynote presentations, conferences, just getting the word out. But the key is it has to be very practical and pragmatic. You really have to connect the, um, the, the spiritual insights with the very practical, pragmatic insights. And that's what uh, Revelations in Business does. So folks who have their PhD read a lot of books, but I bet you you've read just about everything on faith in the marketplace. What would you say is your favorite book that sort of, besides your own, that said, <clears throat> we are in business on mission for the kingdom of God? What, what do you like the most? There's so many excellent books around that topic. Uh, what immediately comes to mind is, is the book I mentioned earlier, uh, Church on Sunday, Work on Monday, okay. uh, written by two uh, Stanford professors. It's been out over a decade, probably 20 years now, but that's one of my favorite. I love um, Halftime, uh, mm -hmm. Bob Buford. Um, there's so many excellent books um, out there on the market. So yeah. uh, I would encourage the audience, Google faith in the, in the marketplace, faith in the workplace, and see what resonates um, with you. Okay, so let's, how about if we do this? I'm gonna share some uh, CEO problems and you can just respond with what you think the biblical answer is. How's that for a little quiz? It's not a quiz, just I know you know all the answers. So a lot of, a lot of CEOs suffer with anxiety and worry. A big problem is looming. They are, um, you know, being attacked by the board. They're having a bad, um, partnership moment with their partner, uh, maybe profits are down, maybe the market is tanking on their product, maybe they have a lawsuit, but they're feeling anxiety and worry. What, what thoughts do you have from your book for those kind of people? So um, in my book, I address um, that whole notion of anxiety and worry and fear. It's really all embedded, embedded in fear. Um, in a number of chapters, but I would um, encourage them to really pray upon um, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. And that um, Psalm 46.10 says that to be still and know that I am God. And so what I find is that oftentimes we do, and I'm guilty of this as well too, those type A personalities, you know, we're always on the go, but oftentimes we just need to rest and allow God to fight our battles. Um, the, the chapter on the divine um, situation analysis, we talk a lot about market research. And one yep. of the points that I share is that um, if Jesus is our standard, then we don't have any competitors in the marketplace. If you think about yeah. that, if Jesus is the standard, then don't worry about the competition or the stock market. If you're following his plan and he's your standard, then you really have no competitors. And so it's really um, changing the paradigm. 
Okay. Here's another one. Uh, complexity and overload. Uh, five years ago, the strategy was X, but today the strategy has completely changed because technology has changed. There's products that pop up, uh, you know, next week that weren't even thought about last week. And they're doing uh, ads on Facebook to get people to, uh, you know, invest in their product. So some people with traditional businesses are saying, wow, I don't know. Is my business going to be taken over? And it's so complex that I can't keep up with everything. Yes, that's, that's real life. I hear that from my clients virtually every day. And what I would encourage them to think about is um, actually in Numbers 13. Um, do you remember the story, Greg, where the Lord um, instructed Moses to send a few men into the land of Canaan that he was given the Israelites? Mm-hmm. And, um, in in, in uh, essence, that was a market assessment. That was a preliminary market analysis. Business schools didn't come up with market analysis. Wall Street didn't. It's in the Bible. So I encourage um, leaders, and we we discuss this and convene the forums um, quite often, to um, think of not just traditional competitors, but non-traditional competitors. You look at what happened with Amazon and um, uh, uh, Whole Foods. Who saw that coming? An online service provider could literally eat the lunch of a grocery chain. And so it's about being strategic. It's about being flexible, but staying focused on God's purpose and plan for you and the organization. So it's fine to um, take a look at the data and analytics, primary, secondary research, qualitative, quantitative, quantitative research, but at the end of the day, Greg, I encourage leaders to know that he is our source. Everything else is a resource. Everything else is truly secondary. So if he's leading you in a particular direction, and even if the data and analytics don't support it, the Bible says whatever he says to do, do it. So I would say pursue God regardless. Wow. God is our source. Everything else is a resource. I think that that dog will hunt. Yes, I think so I think, too, Greg. I think you're right. <laughs> I think that's a Twitter something or yeah, other. Yeah, that's a hashtag. Yeah, I can tweet that. <laughs> you can exactly. tweet that. Shalette said, God is our source. Everything else is a resource. Okay, here's another one. Um, I'm lonely. There's nobody I get to talk to about the decision I have to make. I can't talk to my vice presidents because it involves them. I'm uh, feeling very alone in this decision. Yes. Again, another very realistic scenario. And again, I have to say, this is where organizations like yours come in, Greg. This is where Convene shines because you provide an organization, a platform, an environment for those CEOs to be supported as they're making these uh, very difficult decisions by other Christian leaders who may have gone through it before or in the process of making the same decisions. So I would say to um, engage with organizations like Convene, find organizations or perhaps some of your uh, local churches may have marketplace ministries and get involved with those ministries. Find other Christian leaders um, who you can connect with and pray with and have accountability partners. So it's up to us us to really be intentional in um, cultivating those friendships, those relationships, those partnerships. It can be very, very lonely, um, but there are opportunities to make those connections and they're divine connections. 
Yeah, I like the Ecclesiastes 4.12, a triple braided cord is not easily broken, right? But um, somebody who lies down by themselves gets kind of cold. But if you're together with other people or um, uh, all the one another's in the New Testament, right? That say, work with one another, help one another, eat together, da 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 But I see so many people uh, that are kind of proud that they're alone and they eat lunch alone and they think alone and they they worry alone but they're afraid i was talking to somebody uh the other day about the culture in a particular african country and we were talking about convene in this african country and they said oh the people in the culture there in that particular country uh, do not share with each other uh, it's it's going to be hard for Convene to get going in that country because nobody wants to share their life. But as you point out, there's Convene groups all over the country where people are uh, opening their profit-loss statement, uh, opening their family life, uh, opening their mind, and saying, I can't do it alone. And I think that's, I think that's God-honoring. Yes, I agree, uh, Greg. Um, Two thoughts come to mind. One, um, even though that may be the culture in that country, it's not to say that you um, could not be a positive disruptor. Mm -hmm. So there's still segments um, that may um, be completely open to convene and to the platform. So I would still say, don't give up, still pursue that. Um, The second thought I have, um, and I experienced this when I was writing Revelations in Business. I resigned from Coke and took a two-year sabbatical just to focus on writing the book. It ultimately took eight years, but a lot of those um, years, I was by myself. I felt alone. Not lonely, but I was alone. And actually, um, it was a wonderful experience because it allowed me to hear directly from God. And so I was not um, biased from anyone else. I wasn't in any way jaded from someone else's perspective. Intentionally, I did not read um, Marketplace, Faith in the Marketplace books because I didn't want to, to be biased in any, way, in any way. I wanted to hear from God. So I, I would say that there's some benefit in the alone time. So um, don't, don't um, necessarily shy away from that. Sometimes that's the most productive um, seasons of our lives. Hmm, hmm. Well, somebody asked me the other day, uh, what am I thinking about? And um, so I'll ask you that same question. What are you thinking about lately as you create strategic partnerships for Harvard, as you think about your next speaking engagement or you're reading your Bible uh, or you're journaling? What has God been showing you lately? That's an excellent question, Greg. Um... I would have to say um, what I've been thinking about is um, actually a new season for me. So um, I have a doctorate in business, but I'm, I'm blessed to work for Harvard Business School. So I decided to get a second master's degree from Harvard. It's like, why okay. not? And why so, not? <laughs> my, yeah. <laughs> There's more books to read. <laughs> you, you, you and my friend Helen Mitchell, you're both cut from this. You're both cut from the same cloth. <laughs> Why not another master's degree? That's right. Why not? Yeah, lifelong students. And so um, my master's from Harvard will be in in journalism. I'll be graduating uh, next month, actually. And so what I'm praying about and thinking about the most um, now is um, how God would have me to leverage um, the the new credential um, in my role at Harvard 
in um, my revelations and business platform, in my um, consultancy, how would he have me leverage um, the degree in a way that um, glorifies him? And so I actually have um, a journal. And so as he brings things to mind and ideas, I just jot them down. And I would encourage your audience today is whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're praying about, keep a journal. It's amazing um, if you keep one over a significant length of time, you can look back and see how the Lord has delivered you and blessed you in so many ways. But that's what I'm thinking about is my next season in terms of how I leverage that degree. Hmm. Sweet, sweet. Well, if somebody's listening in and says, wow, I've never met or heard of Shalette Stewart before, what would you say they could do to find you to book a speaking engagement or to buy a copy of your book? What, what would they best do? Sure. Well, thank you. Um, Revelations in Business, the book, is actually available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and wherever fine books are sold. And I would invite your audience to uh, reach out to me via social media um, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and also on my website. It's simply ShalettStewart.com, and it's spelled S-H-E-L-E-T-T-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. So ShalettStewart.com, and um, feel free to email me through the website. I would love to hear from them, and I always respond to the messages. Sweet. Well, um, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the finest books on the faith work space that's out there. And if you are um, in our listening audience interested in saying, well, what does the Bible have to say about faith work? If you're out there listening and you're saying, I'm not near Harvard. I don't have a master's degree. I don't want to study for the next eight years and figure this out. Just grab a copy of Revelations in Business and you will know that God has a divine plan for your marketing, a divine plan for your uh, vision, a divine plan for your operations, a divine plan for your exit, and you will uh, really, whatever the book costs, 10, 20, 30, 40 dollars, I'm here to tell you it's probably worth thousands and thousands of dollars of this time you'll save. So it's been my delight, Shalette, to have you with us today, and I look forward to seeing you again soon in the future somewhere at a convened group. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always an honor to share with you. And thank you again for the excellent platform that you have in place with Convene. It's truly enhancing the lives of others. So thank you and God bless you, Greg. All right. Bye-bye.